Hey guys, welcome back to the Selling From Why podcast. I'm your host, Andrew James, and on today's episode, we're going to be breaking with tradition a bit and moving away, if only briefly, from the sales methods specific to PEO and HR outsourcing, and instead, we're going to move all the way back to the top by explaining the very concept of the why method in greater detail. As the podcast listenership continues to grow, I'm hearing more and more rumbling from people saying, it's great information, I love the podcast, but how is it relevant to me and my sales industry? How do I use why in my sales world? So that's what I wanna do today. I wanna take a bit of time, turn back the clock, and go back to the very beginning. How do we run with the why method? Now, before we start, I promised listeners in the last episode we would take a deeper dive into the idea of progressive HR, and I will keep that promise. I give you my word. That will be our next deep dive. But for now, let's take a bit of time and see if we can apply this method of why to all of the sales professionals out there, regardless of industry. As always, guys, don't forget to like and subscribe. Leave me a review, a comment. You like the show, you hate it, what you want to hear next time. And before I forget, the second edition of Selling From Why, the paperback version, is now out on Amazon. Go on Amazon.com, search for Selling From Why, second edition, buy it now. Thank you guys for joining, as always, and this is Andrew James, and this is the Selling From Why podcast. So before I begin, I do want to clarify something that's very important. The credit for why, the why method, is not my own. The why method is something I've certainly honed, and I would absolutely love to say that I perfected it, but the real creator of the why method is Simon Sinek. And once more, if you haven't already, stop listening to me right now. Go check out his TED Talks. I believe he's the third most listened to TED Talker of all time. But honestly, what he has to say is absolutely mind-altering. All of this, everything that we're going to cover today, really is his method, though he does speak on a much larger scale. His method isn't specific to just sales or even business. He speaks of why on a huge market and interpersonal level. I've simply refined his teachings and applied them to the sales community. So truthfully, guys, I'm just the messenger. I don't want to take too much credit here. Let's begin with the definition of why. That's our starting out point to understand what makes it such a big deal for us. Why in our business sales world is motivations, goals, dreams, and ambitions. And here's the secret. In our sales world, the why has nothing to do with us, our products, or our services. A prospect's why is not related to our business in any way. But why is also bigger than that when we represent it on its full scale. Why is about how we view ourselves. Why represents our belief structure or our attempted belief structure. Why is about loyalty and trust and faith and all of those unanswerable questions. It is completely innate. And because of that, it's a feeling more than it's a conscious attempt at decisions. So why occurs before action? Even if we aren't completely aware of our why, it always occurs before our actions. We consciously decide to stop eating meat. Let's just assume that. We're, we're going to become a vegetarian. Why do we do that? We do it because we have a feeling. We feel that animals are mistreated or that the meat industry is dangerous to the planet or that we hurt our bodies with too much red meat. Whatever the reason is, we are consciously making the decision to avoid eating meat. 
then we define our action by our beliefs. And that's why. Why did we do that? We did it because of the way we believe, the way we feel about ourselves and what we want to stand for, our motivations, our inspirations. So if it all sounds very much like psychology, you're absolutely right. Why is a very psychological aspect of sales? And that's okay. That's what we want to explore. We as humans have an innate psychology and physiology that drives us towards why. We will go to the absolute ends of the earth for why, and that includes spending money on why. We don't spend money on what or how, only on why. When I think of this concept, I think of the strict, very strict adherence most people have towards a car brand. Now, it's not entirely true, right? Not everyone is very brand specific, but the good majority of people are brand aware when it comes to cars. In fact, most major purchases demonstrate some sort of brand adherence, and that's most often driven by why, and not what, and not how. So take the old debate of buying American versus foreign, right? For years as a child, I heard this argument from people that they would never buy an import car. And I know that argument has gone away for the most part now. But when I was a kid, so many people insisted they bought American because they believed in that value. So they bought Ford or they bought Chevy. And this is a perfect example of aligning with why. And it's this psychology that we want to tap into in order to become even better at sales. Make no mistake, great selling involves a considerable amount of psychology, guys. It really does. Most value propositions are from the how or what. So I want you to stop for a second. I want you to think about your company right now. I want you to think about the value proposition of your company. Most value propositions are from how or what of your organization or some grouping of both of those, what and how, but seldom do they incorporate the why and even less often do they translate to the why of the customer. Organizations that have mastered this tactic of including why in their value propositions have done things that many businesses are, are just simply unable to do. They have been, they've cornered the market, right? We've got Apple, Harley Davidson, Coca-Cola. These are companies that advertise with why, not how and what. Now, the trouble with our value proposition leading with how and what is that the method of approaching our sale this way leads us to a large amount of detail to explain our services and solutions. The problem with that is, as we've just addressed in our American versus foreign car debate, people weren't buying their cars at this time because of the stats, because of the features, because of the benefits of those cars. They were buying them because of a belief, an intrinsic belief in, I want to support America, so I'm going to buy an American car. Essentially, a Honda salesperson could have told my father everything unbelievable about the Honda how it could outlast his Ford, how it could outpull his Ford. It could have been a flying Honda with cash in the trunk, and my dad was going to buy American. That's the definition of why. Why decisions can absolutely fly in the face of value. They're not dominated by price. They're not influenced by features and benefits. And in most cases, they aren't even necessarily rational. Rationalization can take a step in, in the wrong direction. It, it, it in no way controls the sale. You get enough why in your sales process and your prospect will never back out no matter what the rationality is. Value propositions don't matter if they don't tap into the individual's belief in why.
I'm going to say that one more time. Value propositions do not matter if they don't tap into the individual, your prospect's belief in their why. Let's look at some value propositions that have been successful. Value propositions lately that you see all over the place. Free range, all natural. We see those in our supermarket, right? They have suddenly dominated the food industry and people are willing to pay a premium for food with those labels. Why? Because they're healthier than the original? Yeah, maybe. But I believe it has more to do with an individual's belief about themselves that drives that decision. People want to believe they are healthy, that they are contributing to a better planet, to happier cows. It's belief in themselves that drives the willingness to spend more money on their food. Girl Scout cookies are a great example of this. We pay for overly priced cookies. And they're delicious, don't get me wrong. I have Thin Mints in the freezer right now. But there are countless other less expensive variations at the supermarket that we constantly overlook. We walk right past them every day and we don't go crazy for them. But we walk out of that supermarket and we see tag-alongs for $6 a box being sold by the neighborhood kids and we have to buy some. Why? Because it's a belief in ourselves. It's about us supporting something. Imagine an experience for a moment. I want everybody to, to imagine a situation in which you're forced to decide between two almost identical objects with identical features and benefits. Now, both of these objects cost the same. Both have identical dimensions. They come in the same color, the same shape. Everything about them is the same. However, one of the items is made by a company that is known for mistreating workers, and the other is known for having great, happy employees. Which will you buy? And more importantly, why are you choosing it? My assumption, I'm hoping that everybody on this podcast, everybody listening right now, believes the way I believe and is going to buy the item from the company that treats their workers well and not from the company that treats their workers poorly. Now, that sounds like a, a no-brainer. I mean, the prices are the same, the item's the same, the, the quality is all the same. Why would I not buy from the company that treats their workers well. Now, here's the kicker. Start increasing the price of the item made by the company that treats the workers well. You can even decrease the price made by the company that mistreats their workers. How far apart can these numbers get? And you'll still find yourself buying from the company that treats their workers well. And if you're like most consumers, the answer is that gap can get pretty large. Certainly, there's factors that play a role, right? Like your financial situation at the time. But assuming you're in good shape with money, you will pay the extra for the product made by the company that treats their workers well. That's the definition of why. One more example, a last one for all of you out there. For those of you that know the company Chick-fil-A, you will understand this example. For those of you that don't, I don't know how large the footprint of Chick-fil-A is. I don't know if it's a national fast food restaurant, but here in the Midwest, Chick-fil-A is a pretty dominant fast food place. It's chicken sandwiches, they're absolutely amazing. They're probably the, the most delicious fast food you can get. I certainly love their sandwiches. Everyone I know loves their sandwiches. But a while back, a friend of mine informed me he was no longer going to Chick-fil-A, and I asked him why. He explained that the owner of Chick-fil-A had made homophobic anti-gay remarks and condemned the idea of gay marriage. 
Now, regardless of your stance on the subject, that's certainly not the, the conversation I'm trying to have here. My friend's stance was that he would no longer eat there because of what the owner said. He loved Chick-fil-A. I'm talking two or three times a week, and he's never going to eat from there again because of the remarks of the owner who is, right, he's the leader of their company. So think about that for a second. We're willing to spend more from a company that believes as we do. We're willing to completely go away from, from eating from a company that believes the opposite of what we do. I mean, that truly is a pretty amazing concept when you start thinking about all of this is based around why. So when you add all these up, foreign versus domestic cars, Girl Scout cookies, free-range chicken, Chick-fil-A, what you're beginning to see is that what's being sold has little to do with the features and benefits, and it has almost nothing to do with the price or the cost. Instead, the value of wine becomes much more of a priority. So some of you are probably wondering, if why is so important, then what happens without why? So absent a why, the next step in the decision tree for your buyer becomes how and what. And this is when we get decision makers who become frozen. This is what causes sales processes to lag and why you find yourself suddenly arguing over a small amount of money. I can imagine for most of you listening, probably all of you actually, if you're in sales, you've had this situation where your prospect has suddenly gone dark or they've told you they aren't going to make a decision anymore until next month or next year or they choose your competitor over you because of a difference in a feature or benefit that never seemed important in the first place. All of these are a result of not aligning with the why of your prospect. And I know we haven't covered that concept yet, the alignment of why, so let's dive into that next. What is aligning with why? Aligning with why is the step in any sales process in which the prospect and the salesperson are now, for lack of a better word, this doesn't sound very scientific, on the same page. Uh, your prospect and yourself are on the same page. Now, this doesn't exist because you've explained how your product is the best product around or how it's better than what they already have. Alignment occurs at the why level, not what or how. And for some of you probably wondering, well, wait a second. If the prospect wants something and I have the service or product that's what they want, how is that not alignment? And that's a great question. Alignment is different than desire. It's different than solution selling. Alignment is much, much more powerful than those things. Alignment is a commonality of beliefs. Alignment is the reason why you like your significant other. It's the reason why you believe in a cause or follow a leader. Alignment is much more central to the link between seller and buyer than simply offering a product or service they want or need. In order to create alignment with a prospect, we have to go back to what we said earlier. Why is not what we sell? Again, why is not what we sell? In fact, why has absolutely nothing to do with us? Why is always in the hands of the prospect? We just have to figure it out. Now, if all of this sounds too deep, too ethereal and emotional and all of that, you're wrong. I agree it probably sounds that way, especially if this is all new information for you, but let's look at what why looks like for our prospects. The problem we often encounter with sales is we don't find the prospects why before we deliver our sales pitch. Instead, you do one of two things, euphemistically you. We 
salespeople do one of two things. We either assume the why and deliver a sales pitch before we ever try to uncover our prospects why. And this is usually found in very, very new salespeople who have yet to understand the idea of listening until they speak. Or we attempt to uncover why, but we only get part of the way there and never dive deep enough. Now, when we assume why, our action is often to deliver the blanket value statement, right? So let's imagine we're selling watches. We may decide our value proposition is the movement of our watch, for instance. A lot of Swiss watches and Swiss watchmakers have these exact precise movements, and it's very, very important. And we're going to say that our watch has the best movement around. You should buy our watch. It'll always be on time, right? That's our value proposition. Ask yourself. Have we inspired our buyer to choose our watch? Well, maybe, but only if that person we're speaking to cares about watch movement. And realistically, they don't care about watch movement. They care about what watch movement means to them. Now, this is the extent of your traditional sales training. Most sales training focuses on explaining product knowledge and the value proposition of the products or services. In our watch example, we're selling a watch that has the best movement of all the watches in the marketplace. We might even go a step further and begin to make this value proposition into a powerful story so we can attempt to create an emotional connection. Mr. Watch Buyer, have you ever been late to a meeting, an appointment, or even worse, your child's violin recital? Well, with this watch, you're never going to be late again. It's always in time, and so are you. Now we've got a winner, right? That's a winner. We've... we've created a, an emotional connection, we've, we've created a relevant story to the buyer, but what happens when the buyer pulls out his cell phone and says, my cell phone tells me the time and it's always on time. I don't care about the movement of my watch. Now maybe, maybe we resort to a challenger method and explain the value of our watch against the buyer's cell phone. The cell phone could lose power, the screen could break, etc., etc. list goes on and on. In this method, you eventually end up dumping features and benefits on the watch buyer's lap and arguing with the buyer rather than going back to what would have made him buy the watch in the first place. Now, it could have been status. It could have been comfort, color, collectability. The list is very long for those people who buy watches. But each of the decisions ties to why, not what or how. In order to understand a prospect's why, we have to first understand our own why. So what is something you care about? I want everybody who's listening to think about something they care about, something you've bought that is very expensive and you care greatly about. Why did you buy it? Ask yourself why you bought it and then why again? And now from that answer, ask yourself why again? Keep asking yourself why until you aren't sure you have an answer. Eventually, you're going to get to a point where your feeling will transpose your ability to vocalize it. And that's completely natural. That's an absolutely normal thing. It's like explaining why you chose your spouse or how you feel about your mom or dad or your favorite pet. There's just not words for the feeling. The words don't cover the extent of that feeling. This is your why level. And this is what we're looking for in our sales method. The first man to ever teach me the why method, probably about 14 years ago, asked me to keep asking my prospects why until they kicked me out of their business. Now, I'm not sure he was joking. He was a pretty persistent guy. 
I think, anyway, that he was being honest with me, but he raised a really, really good point. Until we could truly understand what motivated our prospect, what motivated their buying decision, how they thought and what they believed in, we could never deliver a value proposition that mattered to them. So one very specific day, there's this one day and this one fun memory. I, I remember calling my boss on my way back from a sale and I told him, I got it. I got to the why. I was selling payroll at the time and it, it, it was a small business payroll. So I don't know how familiar you are with that, but small business payroll is companies that are under 50 employees and generally it's companies that are very far under 50 employees. We're talking five, 10 employees. So most of the companies I'm working with in a lot of cases are startups or the deal sizes are very small, but the financials for startups is very limited. So you have to be very careful to keep things competitive. In that situation, every single penny counts. So the why becomes incredibly important. So I'm on a meeting with a landscaping company and this guy was very, very friendly. And because of that, I was able to ask the owner why over and over and over again, enough times to get to what I considered to be my very first why. And what was it? Well, Mr. Ramos was a family man and he'd started his business because he wanted to be at home with his kids. He'd been working for years for some other company and he hadn't had dinner with his kids in, in literally in years. I mean, that is the story this guy's telling me. He wanted to be able to make good money, but not lose the ability to spend time with his children. For him, running a business was just a way to be in control of his own life and give him the chance to do things that were actually important to him, like spending time with his family. So what do you think my value proposition was? Well, when I asked him why the first time, the answer I received had been absolutely nothing related to control, his kids, his goals. I only uncovered what he was looking for in a payroll system, which was a cheap, easy to use, simple, basic payroll system. So I asked him again, well, why? Why was cheap and easy important? What did he mean easy? What was so important about that, that idea that it needed to be simple to use? Well, easy was crucial. It freed up his time. It gave him opportunities to do more. Now, in a lot of cases, that's where we stop as salespeople. In fact, up until that day, that was where I stopped. I understood now that this guy needed something that freed up his time and gave him the opportunity to use his time for more relevant things to him. He needed an easy, basic payroll system. In fact, I think at that point, we even have a great value statement, right? We can deliver an inexpensive payroll system with an easy to use interface that allows you to manage your payroll quickly. Here, let's take a look at these features in the spreadsheet application on our basic program, right? That's it. That's our, that's our value statement at that point. But in this situation, I kept going. Mr. Ramos, as a business owner, your time's got to be pretty valuable. What are some of the things you aren't able to do right now because you don't have time? Slowly, we start to get further and further into the story where eventually he begins to describe this family dinner that he's been missing for all these years. I walked out of that sale with our most robust payroll platform, not our basic pay payroll platform, and he purchased a time system, an insurance interface, and an HR portal with his payroll. Why? Because I wasn't selling him payroll. My value proposition was so much more than a payroll service. And that's the whole point of this. Creating why statements for your sale 
you need to understand the trick is it's individual and it's related directly to your prospects why that's the purpose of building your value statement now the problem with your typical value statements as we've said and, and, and especially those that are differentiations of products a great salesperson needs to tap into something much more emotional and the only way to do that is to uncover why Understand that every single value statement you have as a salesperson stems not from what you do or how you do it, but why you do it. A great payroll system that makes reporting easy and simplifies data entry isn't going to inspire a decision maker, even if it is the best solution out there with the best possible price and the best quality, and it's better than the competition, and he's looking for a payroll system. It doesn't inspire anything. We can even go a step up from there to how. We can say that the user interface is designed in-house and cloud developed to allow the constant updates that are necessary for the system to always have the feedback from users so that it can be updated and, and works perfectly for, for every one of our clients. We're getting somewhere, we're getting closer, that sounds a little bit more inspiring. But until I explained that we were a family-owned company and we wanted our clients, business owners that had our moms and dads, to have more of their greatest resource, time, to spend with whoever and wherever they choose. I hadn't, I hadn't inspired a decision. That's the power of why. When I was able to tie our payroll program back to his desire to be a family man, now I'd created why. Now it sounds hokey, and it is. <laughs> <laughs> I say that honestly. It, it, finding a why and, and selling why is going to be hokey. Whys often feel like a Lifetime movie or a Hallmark card. That's okay. Why is emotional by its nature. Use any other example. Pharmaceuticals, medical equipment, cars, shoes. Any of these sales can be transitioned from what to why with enough thought, but most of all, enough understanding of the why of your prospect. And this is why differentiating value propositions don't matter anymore. They are useless until you uncover the why of your prospect. The lack of why also becomes the reason why when we find our sales stalling, a lot of times we continue to deliver more and more information piling in up and it does absolutely nothing to move the needle and get the person to step over the edge and buy from us. Delivering more facts and figures gets us nowhere because it's not inspiring. It doesn't push the buyer to make a decision. It doesn't tap into their emotional connection. If we don't have the prospects why, we're not going to get them to make a decision. Let's put it all together now. It goes without saying that we can't just ask why of our prospect over and over and over again. At some point, we need to explain how our solution works and what the product itself actually is. I can't just say my company believes that time is valuable and spending time with your family is important, so we have a payroll program. I have to explain how that's going to work, how it's going to apply to that business owner's life or decision maker's life, and what the details of that are. I can't tell a watch buyer that my company believes in status and being on the forefront of the fashion industry, so we sell watches. 
And I definitely can't tell a hospital buying a new MRI machine that we believe in the comfort and safety of our patients and that everyone, regardless of income, deserves first-class care. We sell MRI machines. No one's going to buy simply because of why. They're going to buy because of why, but they need the details. So we still need to apply how and what to our story. I have to be able to back up those statements with actual proof and that's where what and how come into the picture. In the payroll example I first used, I was able to demonstrate my company's dedication to the value of an owner's time by showing them the automated functionality, the self-service portal for payroll, and the automated processing of the system so it's able to run on autopilot. All of those were hows and whats that supported the why that was important and relevant to my prospect. What every salesperson needs to do is they need to understand their company's what and how. And they need to understand those elements and be able to demonstrate them in their why statements. That's what's going to, attack, to tap into the emotional need of the buyer. That's why the buyer is going to make his decision. He's going to be inspired or she is going to be inspired by why you're going to prove your why with your how and your what. And once they believe that that why is actually true, they believe in this inspiration that you're delivering to them, they're going to buy. But until you understand what your features and benefits need to back up, what they need to support, you're never going to get the emotional connection, the alignment that's necessary for the buyer to pull the trigger. Guys, I hope this has helped. I know this has been a pretty long podcast, but I think that this was a really, really necessary podcast, even for those of you that have been longtime listeners. I think going back and just really understanding the nature of the why in our sales process is an incredibly, incredibly important piece of information, and I hope this has been helpful. Um, I will, once again, be going back to our regular podcast here in the next few days, and we're going to do a great deep dive into progressive HR and why that's important for businesses, and then we'll obviously uncover the how and what of, of the ways that it works in, in our sales process. But for now, guys, this is the Selling From Why podcast. I'm Andrew James, your host. Thank you so much. As always, like and subscribe, and of course, please go on to Amazon, buy my book, the second edition paperback, Selling From Why is out. Please go and buy it for me. Support my cause. Thanks a lot, guys. Don't forget, leave a comment if you have anything uh, you want me to, to respond to. Thanks, guys. Take care.